Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. Let's look into the housing market, which I think is in the danger zone. So I know a lot of you looked at that thumbnail and you said, oh, my God, George, what are you talking about? Housing in, the, in a bubble? It, it's Crash prices go down? Absolutely not. But I think what's happening right now as we speak is we are in a silent housing market crash. Let me go right over to the charts and explain. So first, we're going to look at realestatedecoded.com. And they use a lot of the data from Case Shiller. This is Case Shiller Home Price Index for a few markets. Now, what I want to do first is I want to look at that chart that I used right here. So this is the stages of a typical asset bubble. It starts with the stealth phase. So the smart money gets in, people start to buy, then institutional investors. Have we had any of those in the housing market? Oh yeah, that's right. And then the public really starts to say, oh my gosh, I got to buy, I got to buy. Then we get enthusiasm, we get media attention, we get greed, we get delusion. No, 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 no. This is a new paradigm. Housing prices will never go down. No, no, this time it's different. No, no, th th we have supply shortages. Don't you? Inventory is at an all-time low. No, 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 this is way different than 2008. This is a completely new paradigm. And prices start to go down. And you get denial. And then they rebound a little bit. People take a breather. They say, oh, my gosh. Oh, thank goodness gracious. I thought this, get a little worried there. I thought this might be like 2009 or 2010. But no, no, I can rest easy because prices are going right back up. And they're going to return to normal. Because remember, this time it's different. We've had a paradigm shift. Supply is low. Inventory is at all-time lows. Haven't you read the news? And then what happened? Prices start to go down further, further, further till fear sets in. And then people start just completely freaking out and selling because they know that their home equity is, for, mo for a lot of people, 100% of their net worth. And at the very least, it's a large, large percentage of most Americans' net worth and they don't want to lose that. So they start to sell, but unfortunately, there's no buyers because prices were so high that even down here at the capitulation phase, many people can't afford and they don't want to catch a falling knife. And so it basically takes us right down, back down to where we were in 2012. Why 2012? Because most of you know this from watching my videos, that's where the income to price was at its historic norm. And at the end of the day, no matter how many times you want to tell me this time it's different, no matter how many times you want to tell me that your market is going to continue to go up forever, no matter how many times you want to convince yourself of that, the fact of the matter remains that housing prices at the end of the day are going to revert back to incomes. Imagine that. <laughs> Isn't that weird that you actually have to have income to buy a house and that the price of the house that you can afford is predicated upon your income. I mean, I mean, I know it's a novel idea. So you've got two options here in the housing market because these price to income ratios are so extreme. I mean, they're even more insane than they were in 2006, 2007. So option number one, incomes go right back or gradually slowly go up to the level that home prices are. So home prices flatten out 
and incomes go up to that level to now it's a sustainable market. That's option number one. So then you have to ask yourself, okay, what do you think the probabilities are over the next five years that incomes, not just in nominal terms, but real incomes go up and up and up and up and up and up to meet the level of home prices adjusted for inflation right now. And if you think the probability is high, I would suggest that you talk to the yield curve. (laughs) You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. So then the other way that we can go back to equilibrium is if housing prices come back down to meet incomes. I'll let you be the judge on which you think is most probable. Again, at the end of the day, there are no certainties. But what you have to realize, because I know what everyone always says, they they always want to convince themselves that, oh, yes, this may be happening to everyone else, but it's not going to happen to me. Hell no. Are you? I live in Dallas. I mean, everybody's moving to Texas. George, you know that. Or no, 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 no. I, I live in Las Vegas. I'm impervious to price declines because everybody knows that the Californians, the Californians are going to flee and they're all going to come right here to Las Vegas and they're selling their homes out there at a massive premium. They're selling their, their little shanties for $2 million in cash and they're taking that cash and coming right over here and they're going to prop up the Las Vegas market. Therefore, even if incomes are out of whack with prices, it doesn't matter because all the Californians are going to come over with their millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And they are going to be the ones that are propping up the demand and preventing real estate, not only preventing real estate prices from going down, but they will enable real estate prices to go up and up and up and up to infinity and beyond. I know what you're saying. It is true. In New York, San Francisco, Seattle, I get it. I get it. But in my area, it's just not going to happen. This is what I always see (laughs) in the comments. Or they just revert back to, it's almost like the, the, as, well, I won't go there. But I was going to say it's almost as overly simplistic as money printer go burr, right? Oh, no, no. It's just whatever you say about the housing market, it's just, nope, inventory. Nope, supply. Inventory, supply. Like that's the ultimate trump card that just beats everything. (laughs) Uh, It's just, it's, it's so like childish, the arguments that I hear, but let's go over to the data. So first of all, guys, look at this chart, look at the shape of this chart, how it goes up, comes down and we go up to the return to normal and then see the shape of that. Great. Now let's go over to the Case-Shiller data. Weird. Huh. Would you look at that, Josh? Boy, if I'm not mistaken, these charts look almost identical to this chart. (laughs) Huh. Weird. But there's absolutely no way that we are in a real estate bubble. There's just no way. There's no chance. Low supply, low inventory. Gotcha. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you guys see what I'm talking about. This is identical to a, a the, just a stereotypical bubble, the quintessential bubble. You look up an asset bubble in the dictionary and you see this chart. <laughs> oh, and you say, George, but no, all the Californians are coming in. Fantastic. Let's just go ahead and isolate this for a while. And uh, let's look at Dallas. 
right? Because how many people in Texas right now are watching this video and say, yeah, yeah, yeah George, okay, whatever. You should come to my, my town. It's booming. My house price is never going to go down. Just tell yourself what you need to do to sleep well at night, my friend. Hey, guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Ceresna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Jason Hartman, real estate, and Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow Rebel Capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Look at Dallas. That would be the green. So looking at this Dallas green chart, you tell me right there in Dallas, the 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 freest state in the whole entire country. Everybody is going to be fleeing these blue states and heading right toward good old Texas. I get it. I get it. But yet look at the chart. It's literally identical to this. But then how about Vegas? We talked about that, right? Let's let's try to find Vegas on this chart. Oh, look at this. That would be this light blue line that, once again, looks identical to this. And you guys know the, the usual suspects here. Seattle, I mean, look at this. All the way to, in fact, Seattle is a little head ahead of everyone else. So is San Francisco. No surprise there. And Denver as well. They're a little ahead of the others, meaning that they're not right here. Let's see if I can zoom in on this. No, they're not right here. They actually have turned the corner and are now going the other direction, and they're headed toward the, the fear phase. So they've gone way up, crashed down, up again, returned to normal. Thank goodness. Oh, I'm not going to lose my home equity. And now we're about right here where people in these markets are likely going to start realizing that, wait a minute, I need to hit the panic button ASAP. And then what does that do to the inventory? Of course, that makes it go up and then prices go down even further. And that's where you get just this kind of coyote roadrunner cliff-like drop-off in prices. Now, I want to be very clear. Some markets are still going up. Some markets do not look exactly like this. In fact, if we zoom out to the entire United States, that is the blue line. These... Um, uh, well, if we take the U the U.S. as a whole, we see that it peaked out in May of 2022. It went back down, like we saw in the bubble chart. It has gone back up, but it's actually gone up to the same level where we are to uh, as of October 2023, where the prices are kind of, we've got a double peak. So we peaked out here, went down. We didn't go, and, and like most of these charts that you see in the bubble uh, classic bubble. They go up, but they don't go back up to their previous levels. But in the United States, they have. And this would be a result of many markets going
going up even higher. Now you say, okay, George, we'll see. This is what I'm talking about. All these markets that I know are rock solid. They're going to carry the entire housing market up. And somehow all of these markets like Denver, Las Vegas, Seattle, San Francisco, Phoenix, are all Dallas are all going to follow the trend of these other states that have dipped down but are going back up. And you say, okay, I understand that argument, but let's look at some of the metro areas that you're referring to, such as New York. So New York would be a good example of one that peaked, went down, and now it's peaked, it's gone even higher. But would any of you argue that New York is a, a rock solid real estate market where you'd want to buy right now? I mean, you've only got 250,000 illegal immigrants there that are, you know, what, what do you have total? Three, 400,000 homeless people, crime skyrocketing. I mean, sounds like a fantastic place to buy a house. <laughs> or what about uh, another market? Los Angeles. Oh, that's going back up, but still it's in the bubble phase. Oh, Ed, let's not forget about Chicago. Chicago, look at this. It's gone up slightly, kind of back down, now back up, and it's continuing to go up, and it's at a level higher than it was back in May of 2022. So why would you not want to buy a house in Chicago right now? Huh. I don't know. Maybe you like not being shot? Because if you love being shot, then by all means, hop on the next plane and go straight to Chicago, buy yourself a house. <laughs> so... Obviously, I'm being sarcastic here. Why are these prices going up? Because nobody's selling. Absolutely nobody is selling. And because the prices were, uh, in the case of New York, you know, they went down so much that now they're getting a rebound. But just there, there's quite literally nobody selling. But give it some time there. Do you think when we look at New York, when we look at Chicago as an example, or Los Angeles, that there's going to be more sellers in the next five years? or less sellers in these markets. I think almost everybody on this live stream right now would argue that there's going to be more sellers in the future in Chicago, New York, Los Angeles than there is today, right? So that would mean that your base case is these markets go back down. And then the argument that you've got there, again, is for all the red states, but those, oddly enough, are the states other than Florida, that are seeing the biggest decline and look the most like that chart of a bubble that we showed in the thumbnail that we've referenced several times. Let's go into some uh, reasons why. This is really some great data that they've got on this website. But uh, this is where we get into affordability. So if you want to argue that housing prices in the United States or in your area or whatever are just going to continue to go up and up and up and up and just completely ignore the fact that they've gone down <laughs> over the last year. And, and by the way, I was adjusting for inflation there. And that, in fact, I need to circle back to that because that's where I think the main problem is or the main disconnect is and why I say we are in a silent crash because a lot of people, what are you talking about? No way. I, George, I live right here in Dallas and I can assure you that prices are not going down. That chart is completely bogus. I don't know, my friend. It's not bogus. It's adjusted for inflation. You see, you think that your house hasn't gone down in value, but that's because you're just looking at a nominal price. You got to adjust for inflation. That tells you what you really need to know 
And that's the purchasing power of your house. How much stuff will it actually buy? The nominal price is, to a certain extent, irrelevant. Just ask the people in Venezuela. Their, high, their, their home prices have never gone down. In fact, they've never been higher. But if they sell their house, can they buy more or less stuff than they could have, let's say, in 2005? So getting back to the demand side of the equation, real monthly principal and interest price index. I wanted to point this out because so many people in the, say, housing space, uh, the experts and whatnot, they were back in uh, early you know, 2021 and whatnot, 2020, rightfully so, they're talking about how it is true housing prices are at an all-time high. That is absolutely true. But it just doesn't matter. Well, why doesn't it matter? Because nobody cares about the home price. They only care about the monthly payment. And if we actually look at the monthly payment, we can see that right now, historically, it's actually really, really low. I mean, look at this. Guys, go back. I'm looking at the uh, U.S. market. In fact, why don't I do this? Let's just delete all and then just go to U.S. Much easier to see. There we go. So if we go back to 2020 or 2021, you can see that this was a very valid argument. Absolutely. I mean, you can't dispute the facts, right? You're in the data. So September 2021, your mortgage payment, if you were to buy a house around then, the average house, was low. Now, not as low as it would have been in, let's just say, 2012. But historically speaking, it was right around where we were in 1996. And back then, even I would argue, we were not in a housing bubble. It's just that the housing bubble uh, really started in the late 1990s. We go up to 2006. If you go back and adjust for inflation prior to 96, all, you can take it back 100 years. And we really didn't see prices go up or down too much. A little bit here and there, but they really just kind of stayed consistent with the rate of inflation. I wonder why that is. Because inflation or incomes are basically a derivative of inflation, although they lag. And therefore, if incomes are a derivative of inflation and incomes are what you use to buy a house, then it makes sense that home prices typically just go up with the rate of inflation. As said another way, home prices typically just go up with the rate of income. And uh, then this got all out of whack, of course, in 2006. And then we see it come down when stuff uh, got cheap. But then interest rates come way, way down, which is why they are so cheap in this area when home prices were skyrocketing. But all those people that were arguing how this is very bullish for the housing market back in 2020 and 2021 because your monthly payment was so cheap. I, I want to hear what those people are saying now. Because if we look at today, housing or housing monthly payments, excuse me, mortgage payments, have gone from pretty low to astronomically high. And I, I'm not being hyperbolic there. To give you some context, here is where we were in 2006, roughly the same level. And that was 117 on this index. And right now we're at 147 on the index. 147. So again, this goes back to what we were saying initially, that if your income is here and home prices are here, that dog don't hunt. It's unsustainable. Either incomes have to go up here or home prices have to go down there. It's just that simple. 
<laughs> this is not, this isn't really rocket science stuff. So now let's go back to the nominal versus real. And this is where I think you'll see how a lot of people can just uh, aggressively argue that no, we the home prices have not gone down. They they haven't gone down. They haven't gone down. I don't know if the data is wrong. I see it with my own eyes. My home price. I, I check it on Zillow every single day, and they're they're very let's say passionate about their argument that damn it, I can sleep well at night because my home equity isn't going down in my area. I don't care what your stupid charts say, George. Prices haven't gone down. This is the silent crash. They don't even realize the value of their of their house has crashed because they're not adjusting for inflation. So let's look at some of these markets like, um, well, let's use Phoenix. I know we used that one in the chart of uh, the real chart. Okay, so Phoenix has gone down. Now this is nominal, but even in nominal terms, it's it doesn't look good. <laughs> I was gonna try to use this as an example of a chart that looks good, but... Even that is ugly when you compare it to the old stages of a bubble chart. Let's try Dallas. Mm, a little bit better, but still, that is bubblicious territory. I already know what Seattle and San Francisco are going to look like, so you know, why look it up? Denver? Oof, yikes. Las Vegas? Uh, oh, boy. I, I'm I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> oh, but you guys get my point. Is that uh, let's just use Dallas, Phoenix, Denver, Vegas. So we've got an apples to apples. Here we go. So the bottom line is the prices adjusted for inflation are have gone down a lot more than nominal prices. That's uh, that's rather obvious. But the silent crash is if you're in one of these markets. You know, like, let's just say Phoenix, it hasn't gone down that much. So you might not even in nominal terms. So you might not even notice like for you, it's like, no, no, no. Housing prices are flat. But then when you add up all the stuff that you can buy with that, let's say your home uh, is $400,000. If you look at all the stuff that you can buy today with 400,000, it's way less than it was two or three years ago. And that's the point. That's what we have to understand. So when you're looking at this housing market data, you've got to look at it in real terms. And now let's go over and look at one of the pretty much the only argument that you get for prices continue going up for forever is inventories. And this is really, uh, it's a strange argument for me because it, it shows the exact opposite. It's, it's actually a bearish argument. It, it, it's not a bullish argument. But why do I say that? Because home prices are set at the margin. So let's just take this to an extreme. If you have a million houses for sale and 10 more come onto the market, how much is that going to likely impact the prices? Probably not much. And let's remember, whatever those million houses trade for, those are the comps for every single other house in the United States, let's say there's 150 million homes. So whatever those 1 million homes sell for, that's going to be the price of the other 149 million homes. That's what I mean by prices set at the margin. Okay. So going back to our thought experiment, if we have 1 million homes for sale and we had 
10 additional homes, probably not going to impact the price. Now, let's assume for a moment that we only have 10 homes for sale in the entire United States, only 10 homes for sale. And let's remember that prices are flat. And in real terms, most prices or prices in a lot of these markets are going down. So that tells you that even with very, very low supply, the supply still exceeds the demand. So those people that want to argue that we have a supply problem, no, we don't, not, not relative to demand, because if we did, prices would be going straight up. So using our thought experiment, if we've got 10 homes for sale with prices going down in real terms, that basically tells you that there's demand for, let's say, nine houses. So we got supply of 10, demand for nine. That's what gives us kind of the price action that we've seen over the past, call it 12 months, 24 months. But what happens if we add another 10 homes of supply onto the existing 10 homes that are for sale? And remember, demand is for nine homes. What does that do to prices? Well, most of you would say, well, prices are going to crash. Right. Why? Because supply was so low to begin with. That's why. Comparing that to if prices are going down slightly, if 1 million homes are for sale, then that means there's demand for, let's say, 950,000. So if we add another 10, uh, is that really going to impact the equation when we've got demand for 950,000 homes? Probably not. You see, that's why low inventory is not a bullish argument. It's it's actually a bearish argument. And then the only other thing that they could fall back on is, well, everyone's got a fixed rate mortgage. Okay, fine. That just assumes that that's the only cost of housing. You guys know as well as I do, that's nonsense. You've got insurance. You've got uh, property taxes. You've got maintenance. You've got all these things that could go up to a level that would make that monthly payment or that house unaffordable to the point where you would have to sell. And this doesn't even include all the private equity, all the Airbnb people that bought like mad in uh, 2020 and 2021 that will likely have to sell. I mean, you've got so many drivers that could push that supply side up. And remember, it, 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 the supply side doesn't have to go up that much in order for prices to be massively impacted. All right, so we'll definitely have to follow these charts to see what the price action does over the next six months. Gonna be very, very important, especially if we go into a recession, because in a recession, what happens with unemployment rate? Well, that usually goes up and goes up dramatically. So if we're seeing these price declines that we outlined in uh, our charts earlier, Keep in mind that is with an unemployment rate at three point what three point seven, which is historically very very low. So what happens to demand, which is pretty much at an all time low, if the unemployment rate goes from three point seven up to eight nine ten percent? Are we going to have more houses on the market or less? <laughs> right? You see, you see where this is going, and you can see why. This chart that we used in the thumbnail will likely play out again. The same chart, the same price action that we have seen in asset bubbles over and over and over and over and over and over, over again throughout history. 
There's a reason why they almost always look like this. It's because this is the way we're hardwired as human beings. And I can assure you, this time, it's not different. We are still hardwired the exact same way that we were in 2005, 2006, 2009, 2010, all the way to 2012 when prices bottomed out. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. Really want to encourage you to go over to Rebel Capitalist Live. Josh, you don't need to play the the promo. Let me just go over to the uh, website real quick here. I should have this pulled up because I'm going to be talking uh, to Mike Green today. I'm super stoked about that. And uh, he's going to be one of our speakers. We haven't had Mike. And so, you know, in the comments of of the videos, all the time I get, George, I get what the problems are. I get what the problems are, but what should I do? What should I do? So the reason I set up this conference is to really give you ideas uh, about how you can set up your portfolio and what you can do to make sure that you're not only surviving, but thriving financially, regardless of what comes our way, but more importantly, that you're setting up your life to maximize your freedom and personal liberty for yourself and your family. That's what Rebel Capitalist Live is all about. That's why we bring these incredible speakers together. And uh, I cannot wait for this event. It's going to be, I think, the best one that we've had. So check out rebelcapitalistlive.com. You get your tickets. Um, and oh, Viva Fry, I forgot, is going to be there as a VIP guest. That'll be a lot of fun. And uh, I just got a text from everyone's favorite, the uneducated economist, saying that he might be able to make the trip out so uh, you'll be able to rub elbows with him, ask questions to all these great speakers, and most importantly, kind of really uh, get re-energized from, all, from being able to meet and hang out with all your fellow rebel capitalists. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next video.